What's up, fight fans? It is Thursday, November 15th, 2018. You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. I'm joined by my amazing second half of this double act, Miss Kayla Beatty. Good morning, G. Good morning, Fight Fans. I'm Kayla. You can find my stuff at fangirl underscore MMA. G, what's up? You know what? I am starting my day talking about my favorite thing with my favorite person to talk to about it. So I could not imagine anything better. What about yourself? Same Z's. Yeah, well, you know what? It was quite the, oh, thank you. You make me blush on camera or on radio. I want you to know. <laughs> but um, look, Kayla, it was an amazing. Okay, 25 years of MMA they celebrated over the weekend. The biggest thing that I took away from it is 25 years ago, Monday, UFC had an event and everyone, when it was over, was like, wow, that was awesome. Kayla, 25 years later, and on Saturday, they have an event. And when it was over, what did everyone say? Wow, that was awesome. That's exactly (laughs) the kind of feeling you want for a 25th anniversary show. I know everybody else has been talking about it, so let's get right into it. The main event at UFC Denver, Korean Zombie versus Yair Rodriguez. I, I I was really thinking a lot. Where do we start? Do we start with the finish? Do we start with the fight? Kayla, I'm going to give it to you. Where do you want to start talking about just this fantastic match we saw? Yeah, I mean, you know, G, after watching it, because I, I did wait until yesterday to finally see this main event. Um, and, of course, everyone had been talking about it. It was fight of the year, knockout of the year. Um you know, just just really talking this up. And after watching it, it kind of made me really happy because I feel like other fights that people have talked about kind of have been, have, weren't, they were just as, um had just, just as much heart and like grit of both guys going for it. But the technical skill wasn't on the level that we saw between these two guys. So it kind of made me happy that like, wow, okay, these people are, talking about this being fight of the year and they're actually respecting that these were we saw two elite you know skilled fighters that really just put it all out on the table we were wondering what Yair Rodriguez was going to bring um I feel like if anyone questioned whether he should be at the UFC in the UFC anymore or if he still has it after you know his time off I mean it was incredible how I, I'm just excited to continue seeing seeing him fight because the creativity that he showed in there and just like, you know, going for fun stuff and taking, you know, hard shots and taking the pressure of, of Korean Zombie. And then also with Korean Zombie, there's a reason why he usually gets um, is one of the halves of these fights of the year or, or phenomenal fights. These guys are just so skilled. And I was it made me so happy that this was being talked of um, so highly, you know, with a lot of different fans and people that I talked to. Yeah, to me, I think the biggest thing was um, you felt like both guys delivered on what you hoped they would be able to. Like, okay, you know, there are questions about the layoffs and injuries and especially on the side of Yair, for example. 
And for Korean Zombie, I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact that we're starting to get closer to 10 years since the first time everybody saw him against Leonard Garcia and WEC, where he just had that fight that was, you know what, this fight might just might be crazier than the one that made him a star. Mm-hmm. And I think that's saying something because his heart, his uh, toughness. Kayla, some people are just flat out tougher. And when you think about all the shots he took, he oh delivered on that excitement. For Yair Rodriguez, he was moving very well, whether it was the foot injury, whether it was altitude, the layoff, the short notice you could tell he was starting to plateau in that uh third round he started to slow down he wasn't moving like he was earlier but the thing you know what makes it exciting both of them brought it but that x factor i'll say it bluntly nobody expected yair to stay as tough as he was under the circumstances he did it he took a lot of big shots from zombie and he was still hanging in there he was still bringing it. There was a lot of excitement. There was the mutual respect. It was just beautiful MMA. Um, Kayla, I was scoring it. I had first two Yair. I think that Yair, he really was similar to Cody versus Dominic Cruz in the zone in terms of slipping and moving and finding his shots. But as he slowed down, I felt like Zombie was kind of running away with it, especially toward the end. And then madness happened. <laughs> Talk to me about that finish at the last second. You, could, I, I, I really was at a loss for words that that happened. Talk I mean, me. I think someone in commentary said, like, until that bell, that final bell rings. I mean, zombie doesn't quit. And I love that Yair was still throwing. I mean, it was so amazing. And I think you know, like you had mentioned, the altitude. I'm sure had a big deal. Uh, you know, playing into this, but the shots that the guys picked, you know, they were very particular about what shots they were throwing. And then the fact that a lot of them were, you know, some crazy fun, creative shots from a year. And the fact that he waited or he, you know, continued fighting until the last few minutes, throwing crazy shots like that. I mean, incredible. It's it's amazing that um we just it's always fun to see someone pull off something that hasn't been seen because sometimes you think okay wow I I was just reading an article talking about um you know how many fights the UFC plans to put out next year and it's increasing we're seeing a fight every weekend it feels like gee and so you think like okay we've probably seen it all no one can really go in there and throw in something new and then boom Yair Rodriguez comes back and pulls off a crazy upper elbow. I, I don't like, I don't even know what they're calling it yet. But it was <laughs> insane. What did you think, G? I mean, just like yourself. I mean, um, that, that's something like what we used to see Anderson Silva do back in the, when he was in his heyday, it was just that nice level of creativeness and, you know, Once you see that move, you're kind of asking yourself, man, how come people haven't been trying to uh, do that yet? You know, I'm a little um, I was a little floored. But yeah, look, it's obviously a testament to both men. The fact that Yair was still going for it and there was questions about his heart, his tenacity, everything he's got going on Um, for Zombie to be in that position after all the damage he had taken. 
um, he left himself with a lot of openings. And um, yeah, just the way it played out really was jaw dropping. And the way I, I always remember it, I heard Bernard Hopkins say this once. It really is the shots that you don't see coming that surprise you. You know, it's that surprise sometimes that does more damage rather than, you know, the one you see coming that maybe your opponent really loaded up on. Zombie had no idea it was coming. Um, Yair, I heard he tried to go for it earlier in the fight, but I was just like, I don't know. But I think the surprise, that's what mattered. Zombie had taken just about every shot, and it was the one at the last second. No one had any idea what Yair was going for. That's the one that put him away. Just fantastic. I mean, um, I, I would say it's at least comeback of the year. I know that there are a lot of good candidates for fight of the year. Um, okay. uh, Dustin Poirier, uh, Justin Gaethje is up there. Romero Whitaker right now is up there. But I really feel like this one is going to be in the running. But I think for Yair Rodriguez on comeback of the year, I think he really locked it in with this one. I have a hard time seeing anybody going to be able to really steal and take this one from him and yeah, just for both men, their careers, I mean, this is a big one and showed why that, you know, there's still great fighters at featherweight. It's not just Max and Brian Ortega. So I think it's going to be really good. And I think it's good for them going forward. Um, l- going forward, talking about the future, Kayla, we had said before the fight and after everything that Zabit kind of didn't need Yair Rodriguez anymore. He, you know, is on the fast track. Yair has too many question marks. You know, what is it really going on? I do feel like this fight maybe propels Yair into that fight with Zabit. I really think that this is the momentum, the kind of win he needs to possibly fight him in 2019. Anybody else ranked number 5 through 10 is awesome also. But I really do think that the Zabit fight is the one for Yair. What do you think? I agree. I think that both men are are, are on a nice run and um, people are excited about them. And for whatever reason, people loved that fight. And, um, you know, because it falling out, it's kind of created its own storyline. So whether that be that they kind of let them both climb the rankings and then eventually meet or whether we get a treat out of it and they know it's like one that is going to sell. So they kind of save it to maybe headline a fight night or, you know, Comain or something. Um, I think that both men have now, you know, provided performances where it's like, all right, we're paying attention. Like you guys definitely um, are on our radar. So uh, yeah, I'm all for it sooner rather than later. But I also understand that Dana White's probably seeing like, hey, I've got some new people here that I really got to take care of and really build and grow correctly as far as promoting them. And picking certain fights. Yeah. Um, then in terms of zombie, I, I really want to say I am excited he's back. My God, he is an exciting dude. And had he won, I really wanted him to be in those big fights also. Uh, you know, I do recaps every week. One of the um, fans commented and said they like the idea of zombie and Jeremy Stevens. I just want to throw that out there. I think that is a wonderful idea. I think that's so much fun. So... I think that'll be really cool. And um, yeah, that would be insane. (laughs) Yeah, that's something I like. When I heard that one, I was like, this person's thinking (laughs) this idea. But yeah, just a lot of good stuff. 
Kayla, it took something that fantastic to take the shine away from the hometown boy. He is now the all-time leader in victories in the UFC and finishes. It is the cowboy Donald Cerrone against Mike Perry. Okay, I've been holding on to these, Kayla. <laughs> I was going to text you all of them. Uh, it was, okay. Kayla, I've been saying, you know, we're a little worried. Maybe Cowboy's horse was getting, slowing down, getting tired. Maybe he needed new boots. I don't like His that. hat was looking a little older. He went out there like he was Clint Eastwood at his own rodeo. That was just fantastic from Donald Cerrone to break the record. What did you think of the fight? Yeah, what an accomplishment. And I mean, the man has to be respected for what he's done. Um, really stepping up the pace of how often you can fight and how tough you can be. Um, as far as the fight, I really felt like, gee, it just looked like almost like an older brother beating up on his younger brother. <laughs> and maybe it was because there was that tension or because, you know, Mike Perry was calling him the old guy or something. But, um, you know, you just saw the skill difference there. I think especially, you know, when we saw that sweep of where Cowboy, you know, got a, a more dominant position and how he was trying to how. You know, some people will say like, okay, if you lose position, just let go, um, you know, of that submission attempt. Um, I think that when you're as skilled as you are as Cowboy, if he still saw that there was an opportunity to grab that arm or, you know, reposition to a triangle or, or what have you, I think that though it wasn't done in the most like cleanest of ways, he had it set in his mind, I'm going to make this, you know, guy tap, especially after all of the tension. And I just think that when you're that skilled and have drilled and done repetition that much, he knew that there might be a slip from Mike Perry to be able to, again, grab that arm or, or get position for it for, you know, to tap him out. Um, it looked real brutal and nasty. There was a great photo taken where people, of course, are making hilarious memes. I don't know if you saw the one with Ace Ventura, the <laughs> comparison. Um, but, yeah, again, I think it was just, uh, you know, the skill level and, and I guess, too, the drive that Cowboy really wanted to make a point, whether it was a middle finger to the people at Jackson Wink or fans or, um, you know, whether it was that he wanted to break that record. So good for him. On a personal level, I really was hoping that we'd get a shot at him when he's really putting that torque on the arm, just locking eyes with Mike Winklejohn. Oh, my God. I just like, I just like that little bit of level of saltiness in the fight just for that added drama. Um, I, so on my outlet, we, ha we have a group chat, and one of the guys made a joke once about um, the – just like the hall of mythological figures in MMA. And there were a lot of silly ones like um, Chuck Liddell when he had that look in his eye. That's in the hall of mythological uh -huh. figures. John Jones when he's focused. Rumble Johnson when he was motivated. And one of the guys was like, I think Dad Cowboy needs to be added to that, you know, the list of legendary figures, you know. And I was like, okay, you know, what? realistically, you know, I think that really said it all. I mean, Kayla, this is a guy who he lost four out of five, three out of four. 
had he lost to Mike Perry, there would have been a lot of people saying, you know, Cowboy, is it just, is it just the end? You know, is it just how, where you're at in your career? And that fight, that performance really did a lot to propel him. And I think that says a lot because under the circumstances, Mike Perry is a tough guy, a dangerous guy. And for Donald Cerrone to look as clean as he did, he really was putting it all together, firing on all cylinders technically. He didn't get into a firefight. He did it technically. I think that that says a lot about where he's at. He's now mo- He says he's going back down to 155. I think that's a great move for him. I've said it many times that while 170, he looked good. The fact is when he was fighting the Robbie Lawlers, the Matt Browns, you could see a noticeable difference in the power and the just physicality that he was up against. And when you're talking about the elite level fighting for the championship, those are some kind of advantages that you just really need to have in your corner. So I think 155, if he's going to win a title, that is going to be the one to do it. I know they're throwing out the Conor McGregor rumor. I think that that is all optimistic on Cowboy. Um, I think that's him shooting his shot and trying to make something happen, which I don't hate on him for, but I think you got to be realistic. They are going to make a lot of different fights before they give Conor someone as dangerous as Cowboy who just doesn't have that name value. I personally think a rematch with Nate Diaz is possible. Mm -hmm. I think that a fight with Kevin Lee might be a lot of fun. I think those fights maybe happen for Cowboy first. But what about you? Yeah, I like that. I mean, I don't know if I feel confident that Nate Diaz will be coming back. Um, I I mean, we'll see. But um, yeah, I think the Kevin Lee one to me excites me more just because of him being more active and then you know um i think both guys can make that a fun fight depending on where it goes if it goes to the ground that'd be super fun to watch yeah so i think it'll be good he teased that ufc already gave him a name and it's exciting so Mm -hmm. i I do believe they mentioned somebody to him i really doubt it was conor mcgregor but you know i'm that's why we'll Nate Diaz stood out to me because, like, I mean, if they really make that fight, I do think it'll be very different than the first one, too. So, good stuff. And, Kayla, it was just such a fantastic night of fights. Um, Macy Barber had a breakout moment mm-hmm. in the, you know, on the main card. A lot of people talking about it. Calling out Mackenzie Dern. That's good. That's, that would be very fun if they put it together. Uh, Jermaine Durandamy, she really shook things up at 135 with the win over Rocky. So a lot of good stuff from Denver. I really enjoyed it. And I think, like I said, it was a great way to celebrate 25 years of UFC. So just a lot of good stuff. Um, it wouldn't be MMA without something shocking happening. And I got to say, Kayla, do you remember Once Upon a Time where we would do the show and it would feel like, you know, I just don't think there's any big news. It's just all very superficial news. There wasn't anything big to discuss. I want to bring this up. We, I I don't want to jinx it, but we've gone through about a month, month and a half where we have consistently not had that problem. What do you think of that? Where we consistently have not had the problem of, of news. Yeah, where we, where there's always something major because for a while there, it got a little slow and sometimes it would feel like we didn't have the big story to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I felt that too. I think that um, 
I don't know. It might just have been that some, well, one, I think after the Connor and Habib thing, everyone kind of tried to chill as far as like smack talking and, and, and drama. So maybe that kind of, um, I guess, uh, made the headlines a little less shocking. Mm. Um, and then I think too, just some fights had to play out just to see what would happen next with certain divisions. Yeah, it's just, you know, I feel like it's a sign of the times, you know, the business, while there is a lot of controversy going on, you know, things are happening, wheels are turning. And I think that's a lot of fun in our sport, which, of course, leads us to the top story, the only story of the week for now. UFC announced that TJ Dillashaw will be fighting Henry Cejudo for the flyweight belts. So, bantamweight champion TJ is moving down to challenge Henry, and many are saying that this is going to be the last fight at 125 in the UFC. We already know they're talking about just shutting the door on it. Some guys already being released from their contracts. This fight is scheduled for UFC 233 on January 26th. Kayla, um, I, when I think about it, I just feel like it's such a... How do I put this? We know from Demetrius Johnson that Dana White has said things like, how are you going to deny TJ a chance to fight for a title and things like that? And I feel like this is a sign of favoritism because I feel like if you're going to literally shut down the division, it's only fair to have Henry Cejudo move up to fight TJ Dillashaw because it's almost like, what's the point? And, okay, if he's that good, well, why not give him a chance to prove that and fight TJ Dillashaw if you're shutting down 125? So the fact that they're having TJ move down, I know that he said the line like he's there to kill the flyweight division, but I don't know. I I felt some sort of way about it under the circumstances. So what did you think of the UFC having TJ move down rather than Henry move up? Yeah, it's really weird because... Part of me was like, okay, that'd be cool if they, you know, let a good chunk of the fighters in that division who still had fights on their contract kind of have one last big hurrah um, and payday. And if that was the case, um, you know, I kind of liked that idea. But it, it is weird to have someone, though I feel like TJ is the more deserving champion to fight for two titles the fact that the division's closing after that just kind of seems a little silly. And to me, I don't even really know if it would make me feel like, yeah, it's going to look cool to have two belts in the picture, but if you're winning a belt for a division, that's not going to be there anymore. Like, are you even really the champion then? I, I don't know. Um, I, I, it doesn't get me as excited as some of these other super fights for two titles. Um, yeah, I just I think I would have rather seen Henry move up and and then have had he win, you know, if he wins, then cool, he's in a division that he can actually make some title defenses. It's very strange. Yeah, I think that um when you look at Henry Cejudo, it's like, well, what what's kind of next for you either way, you know? Um like let's say you know he loses okay well now he's moving up to 135 he did mention that there are a few stipulations in this contract that might make the future more complicated so that to me was just uh it, it was just very unusual um 
maybe it, when you look at it long term, maybe it's the marketing at the end of the day. They have that in that um, if with the state of the flyweight division, if TJ beats Henry, it does it kind of cement the fact that, you know, the flyweights are a little, I don't want to use the word inferior, but they're a step behind of things. Maybe. I don't think that's a fair way to promote these guys who brought it for several years in the promotion, but maybe that's the way they're trying to play it out and to sell the story. So I don't know, but it, it really wasn't usual for all the reasons like you just said also. I just think that it's very confusing. Um, the actual fight, it is a lot of fun. I think that Henry's wrestling is a big part of it. I do think that he, I want to say he's a little shorter than TJ. He's just a little bit smaller. I think that's going to come into play. He doesn't have, um, you know, the size that he had over guys like Sergio Pettis and even Demetrius Johnson a little bit. So I think that that's going to come into play, the wrestling I think that TJ, though, he's such a well-rounded guy that it's going to take a very big effort from Henry to pull off the upset, but it still has all the facets to be a very competitive fight. I think both of them are going into it with, uh, you know, all the politics aside, um, performance-wise, they are in some of the best just runs of their career right now. Yeah, exactly. I think that Henry's in a, he's showed us how he's improved. And I think that I feel more confident for him to actually put a, put up a more competitive fight with TJ now where he's at. He's just kind of on a nice run and nice high. But I don't know, TJ, TJ's just been looking like a beast. And the fact that he was able to, again, I, I don't know, the way that the second fight played out with Cody, I just feel like, I just feel super confident in where TJ's skills are at. Um he's just another beast in there. And I think that um, once the fact that he was able to kind of stump Cody again, a second time, I just, I don't know. I think that he's going to be pretty tough for Henry to put away, I guess. No, I agree. um, TJ Dillashaw. I don't think he gets enough credit because of the way the Dominic Cruz fight played out. And the fact that he wasn't really in main events and against guys like, uh, uh, Rafael Asuncao, John Lineker. I think people kind of sleep on the fact that this guy might be, you know, the best guy we've ever seen at 135, arguably, and just his ability to finish and his physicality, his health. He hasn't ever had to step away from the action. So, yeah, Henry is up against a, a next-level guy. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say Demetrius Johnson because I feel like that would be disrespectful. But he is up against a very dangerous, very different kind of animal in there. And so it's going to be a great fight. Um, Moving on, obviously this week it is a double fight week, both Bellator and UFC. Bellator is going to have an event on Saturday. Patricio Pitbull against Emmanuel Sanchez for the featherweight championship in Israel. Pitbull going for that fifth victory in a Bellator title fight. Um, Kayla, there's a lot of reasons to say, hey, this is exciting. Emmanuel Sanchez is the rightful next contender. But I think everyone's just kind of looking ahead to the future, you know, like Pitbull says so much stuff on social media. And we know two guys at Team Body Shop who are like neck and neck for who should be fighting him next. So I think it's not about sadly, it's not as much about this fight. It's about looking ahead already. So. 
I think that for me is the only thing I have to say about that entire event. So it'll be good to watch because I think everyone now it's on Pitbull to deliver and have that belt so we could have those big fights in 2019. So you're looking past Emmanuel Sanchez. I don't like to say like that, but I think that we all know that fight that kind of needs to happen, don't we? Yeah, I think unless we get a big upset by Sanchez, which could happen, and then that would, you know, make things even more exciting. Um, Well, what's nice about it is there does, you know, this belt um, has kind of been just, I guess, passed along between a couple of, you know, what, two or three fighters there that have just kind of been rematching and facing each other. And we need the new young blood to come in. We need fights like Emmanuel Sanchez, like AJ McPierre and Pico, um, other other names on the roster building building up um, just, I guess, the new wave of fighters to go in there and start start facing these guys. So, yeah, this one will be very telling. If he can put away this first test, I think that he needs to start going after some of these California boys. Ooh, yeah, you know, it's just like... Yeah, I guess I'm just ready. I feel like that division is on the brink of turnover with AJ and Aaron. That it's kind of like uh, I want to see people because he, respectfully, he has been dominant. He is the one who's held the belt the most. He's the one who's beaten the other guys. He is the number one guy at 145 in Bellator, no question. And when you're talking about you know the prospects that we've seen, you know AJ McKee going, what is he at 13 and 0 now? Aaron Pete goes on fire. Uh, I, I guess I, that's just for me, like, hey, you know, we're finally going to see the next wave. You know, somebody who, you know, feels like they're ready to take him out on his level. I think that's what's exciting about what's going to come next. And I'm also excited to see what he says on Twitter leading up to it, if I'm being honest, Kayla. Did that man see... has something. Go ahead. I was going to say, did you see how he's been um, suggesting a Bellator UFC trade with his brother and, and Jose Aldo. Oh my Lord. He's got, he's got ideas. He's got tweets. He's throwing out there. You know, the thing about him is he's not afraid to try to rock the boat for the sake of trying to make something happen. Like the, the biggest one that got me was after his last fight. And he's like, I want to fight somebody from SBG. And they're like, who? I don't know, but I know they got Conor McGregor. And it's like, so in other words, you're just hoping Conor does something crazy for his teammate when you fight that said person. Uh. It's like, dude, I mean, uh, I like what he calls out everybody. Uh, Like I said, he's been quieter lately when it comes to the body shop, guys. It is funny. (laughs) That says a lot, in my opinion. So, Look, it's it's fun stuff. He's still favored in a fight with either guy, you know, and obviously not looking past Emmanuel Sanchez. Emmanuel Sanchez is ready to be like, I'm going to just make some stuff happen. I'm about to shut that down. You guys can talk about something else next week. It's going to be good stuff from Israel. Um, it's going to be competing, so you and I are going to have to DVR one, watch the other, because it is also a UFC fight night. They are going to Argentina mm-hmm. in beautiful Buenos Aires, <laughs> and it is the home sit well, not hometown, but home country of Santiago Ponzinibbio, who faces top 10 perennial contender Neil Magny. Uh, Kayla, these are two guys who are trying to make something happen in the welterweight division yep. at a time where there is a lot of movement going on. 
what are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, exactly, G. Both men, you know, this is an important fight for them to continue their momentum, the way people are not only matching them, but, um, you know, just getting them closer within the rankings. Um, you know, Ponzinibbio believes he's ready for a title shot or at least, you know, um, that number one contender spot. Um, and I, Neil Magny is so interesting to me because I think he is one of those guys that um, is kind of almost like that test to be like, but are you really ready? Let's see how you're thrown against Neil Magny because he's such a puzzle to try and solve. And he does seem to get his wins where, you know, um, he just pulls them off to me really uniquely. And um, I do like watching him for that reason. I believe he has the length um, and in this fight. Um, and yeah, because he is kind of a trickier, more unique guy, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive fight. But then I think we also know that um, Ponzinibbio is fighting in his hometown. He has that knockout power. Uh, I don't know, G, what do you, how are you seeing this one play out? I think the thing um, I always go back to is that had Ponzinibbio stayed healthy earlier this year, he was about to fight Kamaru Usman. So you could just as easily be talking about, hey, it's Santiago who should be fighting RDA, you know, in what is it, about two weeks? And could be, you know, right up there with Colby Covington in terms of who's next for Tyron Woodley. I, so I don't sleep on him. I think it's about matchups. The thing about Neil Magny is I always feel like he's struggled similar to a, a little bit like Roxanne Modafferi. For as many skills as he has, he just doesn't have that extra firepower against, you know, when he's tried to make that jump. He's always kind of run into the wall, whether it was an RDA, uh, Lorenz Larkin, guys like that. So as crafty as Neil Magny is, I know that that's kind of been that Achilles heel is that you know, when you're talking about being the best guy, sometimes having that little bit extra in terms of the physicality is the difference. He has so been pulling I, off finishes uh, more often now, though. Yes, he has. I do think that Ponzinibbio, though, is a little bit... Uh, I think he's riding a lot more momentum, respectfully. Mm -hmm. Carlos Condit was coming off a layoff where we thought he was retired. And then Craig White, I think, was a short-notice replacement who really was jumping right into the deep end of the pool in his UFC debut. Uh -huh. Santiago is not that guy. I think he has a lot to prove, especially being, you know, the headliner in Argentina. That being said, Neil Magny, I think on the ground, has a big advantage. He utilizes his size and range very well. So if Ponzinibbio wants to get this victory, he's going to have to really get in there, make it a bit of a brawl try to set him up against the fence or in the pocket where he could really let those hands go. And, you know, imperative, he's got to avoid getting taken down. I mm -hmm. haven't seen the ground game from him that would suggest he can hang with Neil Magny on the mat. So I think that it's going to be those two things. Uh, Kayla, it's <laughs> tough because I I'm listening to you. There's a lot of real, a lot of reasons Neil Magny should pull out the victory get him on the ground and just choke him out, get the stoppage, use his length and really shut him down. I just feel like Ponzinibbio, I feel like he, he's just not going to be denied at home. Similar to Cowboy, I just feel like even though it's a tough fight, 
I think he's going to find his spots. He's going to hit the shots that he needs to, and he's going to get the job done. I'm predicting Ponzinibbio to be able to put Neil Magny away sometime in the third round. TKO. Yeah, I'm on the fence too because, uh, I mean, yeah, this really is going to be a test to show us where Ponzinibbio is at. And I think, I don't know, G, my gut's telling me that Neil Magny is going to be able to pull it off just because of the, the reasons that you said of finding a way to, you know, um, avoid those heavy shots and get him on the ground. I think he's just more of a sneakier fighter. And I think that he knows shutting down Ponzinibbio's, uh, you know, uh, momentum would be huge. Oh, but I was also so wrong last weekend. But yeah, I think I'm going to go with Neil Magny. I'm going to say a finish in the second. For, you said Ponzinibbio? For Neil Magny. Oh, Neil Magny. Okay. I mean, you could always say it's a draw. (laughs) I don't know if this one will be a draw. (laughs) Can you imagine? You know, that's going to be our running joke. And we're going to be like, oh, man, it really happened that time. There's some um, fights coming up that I might have to say it's going to be another draw. Holly Ortega. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're going to. I'm not going to let you. I'm going to let you stay on the air. You know, we're going to we're going to rival Ariel Hawani. I'm not going to all day while while I'm going throughout my day. Like, Kayla, have you made the decision yet? Nope. (laughs) We're going to be cooking lunch in the background. Be like, I'm not going to let you off the air until we do, Kayla. (laughs) But no, um, I got a funny tweet. I'll send you um, after the show. But yeah, you know what? It's going to be good stuff. I can't see either man not performing up to the level. Um, Neil Magny knows that it's a jump and it's the one he needs to make to be taken seriously as a title contender. Bonzinibio is on a fantastic run. If you look at his numbers, he has really been successful in the UFC and he's really hitting his stride. So I think both of them are really going to deliver on Saturday when it matters. And I'm excited for it. Next week, they are going to Beijing for UFC in China. Curtis Blades versus Francis Ngannou 2. This is an important one for the heavyweight division and figuring out what's going to happen after Daniel Cormier and everything else. So this is going to be one to watch. It's going to be more heavy leather thrown. So you know you and I are going to have a lot of fun talking about it. (laughs) And yeah, Kayla, we're getting closer. Bellator at the end of the month is going to have a a back-to-back on November 30th to December 1st. So there's a lot of MMA leading into the end of the year i'm excited but for now that's it for our show where can the fans find you on social media fans can find me at fangirl underscore mma where can they find you fans can find me all the time at double g on tv just fill out the word double and guys have a great rest of your week